Hello, everybody. Well, uncharted times call for desperate measures, and here I am in my closet. I am not deceived that I am protected from the coronavirus, but rather I, right now, am safe from my children who are home. So uh, apologies for the setting, uh, but it did seem the safest for this brief 30 to 40 minutes so that there is little distraction. Uh, but thank you for being here and for uh, giving up this time and to listen to this message. We've worked so hard on Proverbs that we're just going to keep going and the content is good and, and we all need wife's counsel, so that's why we're here. And I have prayed that God would minister to those of you who are listening or those of you who are watching, and we will see indeed if he can still move um, when we are in a closet, and I'm pretty confident that he can. So thank you uh, for being here, and indeed our content today is on wise counsel, and you know, I think it's pretty significant that this is the the, the thing that we're speaking about today, as the world goes dark and we're already hearing about everything around us shutting down, I certainly know that in my life I've never seen anything like this. And I, I talked to um, someone much older and wiser than me this past week, and she said, Sarah, she said, the last time life had been like this, where there was this shut-in and this degree of, of fervency to protect ourselves was the Cuban Missile Crisis. And uh, I just thought, wow, that's really, really incredible. And you know, one thing that happens in Scripture when persecution comes or uh, there's crazy measures is that the Word still goes forth. And so that is my prayer. And as the world gets darker, this is an opportunity for the light of Christians and the light of Christ to shine brighter than ever before. So I don't know about you, but I feel... Uh, a sense of hope that that more of his light can go forth to the world that is probably pretty scared um, in this time. I, I don't feel that way. Um, I feel like there may be reason and there is a good reason to be concerned. But at the same time, with the hope that we have in Christ, I feel the freedom to love and to love on others. And I hope that um, with what we're going through as a nation, that it enables us to be the wise counsel that we have received over the course of these months and years and the time that we have known the Lord. So without wasting any more time, um, our text today is on wise counsel. And a lot of people think right now that there are so many things that they need. They think they need toilet paper. They think that they need um, you know, safety and food, and there's this rush and this madness, but ultimately we know that what they need is Christ. Um, and, and so in that, we, we're here to offer them light. But what does that light, light look like? Well, first and foremost, we, we know that it looks like wisdom. Um, and wisdom ultimately is Christ. But there's a lot of wisdom going around that is good, but is it great? Is it heavenly wisdom that truly transforms and, and gives light to souls and lifts up and glorifies the Lord? Or is it just wisdom and getting by from day to day? Uh, whatever it is, this is what we need to be able to discern as women who love the Lord and have sought to seek Him and His ways. And so that is going to be the emphasis of our content today. First, we are going to differentiate in a very specific way 
between worldly and spiritual wisdom. There's a problem within the church when, you know, we have a ton of wisdom and we're still right within our own eyes, but not a heavenly wisdom where we don't go to the Lord and say, God, what specifically are you saying to someone in this situation? So we have the wisdom, but yet we aren't necessarily leaning on him um, to know what it is for a specific um, situation or circumstance. Um, instead, we are we are kind of mixing sometimes worldly wisdom with 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 heavenly wisdom, um, and I see that happen a lot in the church. I know I certainly do it a lot in my own life, and so I wanted to hone in on what that uh, what that highest form of wisdom looks like as we have this 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 very unique opportunity to bring Christ to this dark world. And then number two, we're going to look at five realities that are always present in wise counsel, okay? And you can look at these five qualities in terms of giving counsel to others or knowing whether or not it is wise counsel that you are receiving from someone else, okay? So first, we're gonna look at the text, we're gonna look at Proverbs and see what it has to say, and then we're gonna turn to the New Testament once again. So we know that Proverbs teaches that the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. So right there we see, if we want to be wise, then we need to listen to wise counsel. So what is wise counsel according to Proverbs? Well, first, Proverbs teaches that it protects. Proverbs eleven fourteen says, Where there is no guidance, a people falls. But in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. Proverbs 28, 26, Whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool. But he who walks in wisdom will be delivered. Proverbs 15.22 says, Without consultation, plans are frustrated, but with many counselors they succeed. So in that verse, what we see is that wise counselors also give a blessing to those who are listening. And then we learn from Proverbs 12.18, There is one whose rash words are like a sword thrust, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. So wisdom can bring healing to those who need it. And then we learn on the other side that bad counsel can corrupt and destroy. And we saw this with Madame Folly, that she went after people for the purpose of bringing them down. And as they followed her path, they that she destroyed, she took everything of life from them. And what she promised was false and it was deceitful. And so that is what we want to avoid um, by following wise counsel. God designed this work, world to work and to operate with wisdom and with order. One of the things that I had the privilege of doing in my life was to teach universal principles to over 1,000 youth in Atlanta, Georgia, and in California. Uh, it was a terrific season of my life, and in hundreds of classrooms, I would go in and I would start with this one phrase. I would say to these kids, a universal Universal principle is something that is true for anyone, anywhere, and any time, no matter what the circumstance. And they would look at me and they would, first of all, think, well, that's crazy because I know I'm teaching them truth, God's truth, but they hadn't heard this. This is news to them that there is one way to follow. But as they heeded the wisdom, I saw three things happen again and again in their life. I saw that those principles that we taught, and let me tell you what they were, I taught um, compassion, integrity, respect, self-control, responsibility, 
Um, there was humility, diligence, uh, honor, justice. These things brought them hope. They were good, they were logical, and they were orderly. They protected them, and they also gave them a blessing when they followed them because God's word is true, and he pours out his benevolent wisdom on all of mankind in part to point to his glory and his awesomeness. And so as I taught these youth, I saw it change their lives and it brought them hope and even provided in some cases a chance for me to explain to them where that counsel came from. And so we can take wisdom to the world and not only does it give them hope, but it blesses their lives. And this is the Lord's intent with that wisdom. It is wonderful. And it is for all of mankind. In Romans, Paul tells us in chapter 1 that, the, um, that for what can be known about God is plain to them, meaning Gentiles, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made so that they are without excuse. For all they, they did not know God, they did not honor him nor give him thanks, because, and, but became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. So what happens in the world is they get the light, but they don't give God the glory for it. But that doesn't mean that they can't be blessed by it in the meantime. And if they are willing to say, where did this come from? Because those principles do point to him. That's what we just saw in that text, that we can be there to explain those principles come from the Lord. And so that is what Proverbs teaches. These principles are good. They are wonderful. But what I want to do now is I want to turn a little bit um, and I want to consider what makes that kind of wisdom good, but not necessarily what's greatest for hurting mankind. And for first, let me go back and tell you a little story. So in California, we lived in the Central Valley. And I am kind of embarrassed about this uh, analogy that I used uh, because the people there were so lovely, but the land itself was not that pretty. In fact, it was um, brown and flat. And the only reason we had anything that was green, except for in our short rainy season, was that we would pull water up from the aquifers. And the aquifers were deep, 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 sometimes many, many, many yards below the ground um, and they would have wells and that's how we, 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 the farmers worked and everyone worked and that water ultimately came from the mountain ranges. But there were two mountain ranges. One was the Sierra Nevada and then on the other side we had the, uh, the coastal mountain range. But then there was, the valley was this long line in the center and um, it was just kind of ugly. And I used to think that California, uh, when they talked about um, you know, they talked about the Golden State. I thought, well, that's a cheap marketing ploy because it is not golden. It is brown. It was brown. And so I called it the the butt crack. And um, I thought it was a fitting analogy because of the mountains and anyway. But, um, but, but it just wasn't very pretty. So one of the things we did to retreat is uh, my husband and I would drive up to Yosemite Valley. One hour away was this other valley at the foot of the mountain. And because it was at the foot of the mountain, the, the rainwaters didn't have time to, to dig deep. And so it would just it was just this lush area at the at the it, it, near the foothills. It was just so gorgeous. And you could spend all day there. And that's what wisdom is for the world. They aren't climbing the mountains yet, but they're but they're still having that benevolent 
um, rain wash down. And when they choose to live by God's principles, it blesses them in abundance. And, and, it, and it's wonderful. Not only did I teach youth, but I also taught uh, at the university level, at the University of Phoenix, I taught ethics, business ethics for eight years. And I taught them the same exact principles, the same exact things. And I could not believe how many times their lives were absolutely turned around. But here's the thing, and the reason why I just explained this whole uh, story and everything to you is that while these things are good and logical and orderly in the way that the Lord has set the, the world up, many of, of these benevolent principles can be accomplished by man's own strength. They can also be heeded by fallen wisdom, and they can be done without faith. You have to leave the valley and actually climb that mountain in order to have the full benevolence of the Lord just showered on your life, okay? And, and the church can stay in the valley. The church can stay there, and they kind of sometimes, I'll notice, they'll stay in that valley where they're right at the foot of the mountain, and they're like, God is good, and, 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 and there's, there's a lot of wisdom there, but they don't necessarily want to climb that mountain, and they'll talk about the Lord's sovereignty, but then in your life, you don't quite see that they trust the Lord. And, and I've been there many times myself. We can just operate in, the, in, the, in God's benevolence and how good the world is, but we don't want to reach out in faith and, and do some of the due diligence that is required to reach the height of that mountain, which we all know to be Christ. And so we stay in that valley where it's, where it's comfortable um, and we don't want to climb. And there are some reasons for that. The climb is dangerous. Um, the, we are exposed when it happens. It is hard. It's not easy. To climb means you have to leave the ways of the world. But to climb ultimately is to find Christ. And so it is, it is well worth it. And we know that as believers. But how do we know if we are, we are in this valley or if we are climbing this mountain of higher wisdom. And so that is the remaining of our time here, okay? I want us to climb some mountains and I want us to look at some of the text in scripture that, that, that help us climb and help us live by the highest wisdom that the Lord has showered on us, particularly those who choose to trust him and his ways. So, um, the, the, the verse that I picked that I thought hit the nail on the head, although there were very many, it was very difficult uh, for me to, to pick this verse, was Colossians 2, verses 2 through 3. That their hearts may be encouraged, and, and he's talking to believers, being, this being, being uh, his objective for them, being knit together in love, and this is Paul, to reach all the riches of full assurance and understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So Christ is where all the hidden treasures are, and he is the wisdom and the knowledge. Now, why did I pick this verse? Well, in the Old Testament, we, we didn't have Christ. We didn't know, you know what the prophets were speaking to in full until after he came. And then, and then we understand that they, everything that the Lord promised was fulfilled in him. And looking back, we understand that. For believers, we have to know what does that what does that look like. Colossians three three expounds on that, and Paul says, "If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. 
When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Isn't that beautiful? So we don't have to look to the horizontal to find what it is that we're searching for. We can look upward. We can look to Christ, and in him all the treasures and all the wisdom is found. We've heard this as believers. We've heard this many times. We hear Brian preach this every single week, and we know that Christ is there. But do we cast ourselves on that and really say, Lord, help me climb that mountain with, with all of me? And so, and, and, that is, and that is obviously what he wants to get at. Um, and, and the reason I wanted to talk about this today is that if we're going to give or get counsel, then we first need to make sure that it's heavenly. Um, and, 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 and what exactly does that look like? So over, uh, I was just thinking, um, you know, to, to give an example, and um, I thought of a whole bunch of things, but recently, uh, the Lord, anytime I teach, it feels like, and I've, I've talked to Katie and some others, and they go through the same thing as well. We, um, we kind of go through the, it's like the Lord is teaching us the lesson before we teach it to you. And uh, uh, last week, I just, I, I've been really, this past year, um, I've been a lot of little trials that have popped up in my life. Um, and they, they all have been really painful. And, um, but what's been interesting is that last week I was driving and I was thinking, all of these trials have a common denominator. In fact, the reason why they hurt is because they all seem to involve other believers, specifically feeling taken advantage of um, by other believers because I, I'm just a naturally nice person. Um, I'm not trying to float my own boat since I was a little girl. I, I, I mean, I definitely have my faults, but when it comes to being kind to other people, um, I just, I'm not mean easily to other people. I've, I've never, I know I do mean things and I can get angry. I'm not talking about that, but in general, I'm just going to be nice to you. And, and, and in my niceness, um, I have felt like, uh, there have been people that have taken advantage of, of my niceness. And, and what's interesting, it, it's not it's not just uh, church people. Um, it's been people in business, people, uh, friends, um, in in rela- close relationships, and 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 they're all believers. And um, this pain has has really uh, hurt me. And so I was uh, going to the Lord, and it in my reaction, I'm like Lord, the same thing keeps happening. And and you know what do I do? Um, and, and I decided it makes a whole lot of sense for me to pull back from these relationships and just protect myself um, and, and, and to be more forthright and to not give so much of myself away. And I'm just going to be a smarter person in my relationships and, and I'm going to protect myself. And that wisdom sounds really good. And I was so confident that this was a good thing for me to do that um, I... For several days, just kept thinking about it and thinking of all the ways I'm going to handle my relationships differently and not, um, you know, set standards up front and, and how this is going to look. And um, and not too long after that, I was in class and, and God in his providence, um, the scripture came up and it just struck me right there. And it was Philippians uh, in chapter two, where Paul says, have this mind in yourselves, which is yours in Christ, who, though he was in the form of God, 
did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being found in the likeness of man, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And I just thought, wow, I would have missed it. See, some point before I hit that verse, I went to the Lord and I said, all right, Lord, all of these trials have the same common denominator. I know you're trying to get a hold of me something. And, and then I just waited. And when that first hit me, it occurred to me, I was holding on to my rights. And that is natural wisdom. We want to hold on to where we've been offended. It feels fair, you know, to say this is what happened and, and this is how it happened. But that's not, that's not Christ. Christ, who had everything, laid it all aside to give his life. And when, it, when I thought of that, if I'm to be like him, then it kind of means that stuff just washes off me. Yes, it will hurt. That's part of suffering. But what is my call? It's not to hold on. It's to forgive. It's to let go. And it's to die to myself. And that, for me, that verse was like a big stretch of faith climbing that mountain. One of the best documentaries that I've seen in recent days, my husband and I watched, and it's called Free Solo. Go watch it. Um, there is a young man, um, and he climbs these mountains. Um, he is a free soloist, so he climbs these rock things with um, without digging his with, he, digging his hands in the side of the rock and and putting his feet in these little nooks and crannies. And it and and he he manages to to climb all these amazing things and. Um, <laughs> that's what scripture is for us is so in order to climb he has to find something to grab a hold of and in some places there's nothing for him to grab hold on but he has to move himself up i remember a story one time about a, a guy that they called spider-man and he climbed and climbed the side of this building and before he got to the top he perceived that there was um, a big chunk of concrete um, and he was going to grab onto that before he got, I believe it was 13 stories, uh, to the top of this. And people were watching. He had nothing to hold onto um, other than he just scaled the side of this building. And all these people were watching below. And it, But in order to grab this piece of concrete, he had to let go of of, of where his, his foothold was before. And as he went to grab hold of that, the crowd below just absolutely gasped as it crumbled. Whatever he thought was concrete crumbled in his hand. And he fell 13 floors to his death. When they came up to him, they opened his hand and found out that what he thought was concrete was actually an old spider web. Um, that is what happens when we try to climb that mountain apart from standing on the word of God. And 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 so so but that scripture for me was a foothold. And I went, Lord, OK, I'm done. I'm submitting to this. Let's keep climbing. And as soon as I did that, it was like all of those little trials just dissipated they were they were behind me and the lord was like all right let's let's continue climbing and so you know what a what an amazing thing that scripture does to us when we when we read it and we stand on it we just we just keep going toward that prize now that scripture is so different than worldly wisdom because it looked like 
to anyone that I would share maybe in the world or maybe someone who wasn't thinking, um, you know, about, about Christ as being the prize, I would look pretty foolish um, to just just let go of that and continue moving on without protecting myself. But what what really do I need to protect? Um, so if what I want is Christ, then then I'm I'm letting go of my rights like he did. And there is such glory in that and identification with my Savior, which makes it all worth it. And so that is what we are to do is to is to keep lifting each other up and just and just pressing each other on toward that prize. And so if we're going to give counsel, that is what it looks like. Um, and so some 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 specifics of the the counsel that I would not consider heavenly would be that it would hold on to self-rights. So um, so the worldly wisdom would say life must be fair or I don't deserve this. It would appeal to self. It, you would say something like, you know, I don't be, deserve to be treated like that. And then like I wanted to do, you would go protect yourself from people. Uh, it appeals to pride. You know, someone saying to you, you are so gifted. You need to be in a position of leadership. Go take that. Um, it compares itself with others. You know, they're not as trustworthy as me. I'm better than them. I should be doing that. That glory belongs to me. It's about my glory. Um, it doubts and disrespects authority. You can't really trust leadership. They aren't really looking out for your good. You know, if they really cared about me, then they would do this and this and this and this and this. You see how all of those things have in common protecting yourself or your own self-glory? That is the nature of, of a lesser wisdom. When when that when when bad counsel or doesn't get its way or, or um, it gets angry and it resorts to tearing others down through gossip. It is it is it is the the source of dissension and everything that is yucky and, and and it hits the church sometimes. I'm guilty of it sometimes. It is so such a real threat and it is so 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 bad. I just read through all of Paul's letters recently and I never paid as much attention to the fact that the biggest deal in his letters was when the people were were gossiping and there was dissension above all else that seemed to destroy the witness of the church and when that was happening nothing else was more important and it was funny because in second corinthians uh in in first they're worried about spiritual gifts and they're worrying about who's more gifted and paul's like what are you talking about you totally missed the fact that there's sin it's not about the gifts it's about the glory of the lord and besides that that you can't even you can't even use those gifts if you're not loving other people and and you're not even loving other people because you're fighting in your own midst and so he had to work that out of them before he could really use them and church as we go into this time of darkness if we want the lord to use us we can't be walking in fear we can't be walking in gossip we can't be judging other people and 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 you know they may say oh i think it's okay to get together with one or two people and then someone else says it's not okay well who cares if that's what they think let them be convinced in their own mind let them continue to submit to leadership and if leadership isn't telling them do this or don't do that then there is freedom we should maybe keep our mouth shut so i'm just throwing that out there um i certainly know i wouldn't going to be trying to do that um so uh so that is one of the things that's going on um in the corinthians and and one of the things we can draw from that is that godly counsel discerns that the value of the eternal far exceeds that of the temporal and seeks God's will to determine what 
that may be. So it's a it's a constant turning to the Lord for his specific wisdom and turning to the word and knowing that they they are they are in the same place and saying, God, how do I aptly apply you know what your word says? So when I when I was hit with uh for, with with Philippians, I read that text and I went, Lord, how do I work this out? And then a circumstance would come my way and the Lord would I just quicken my spirit and I know, you know, this is how I respond to that now in love because I'm not holding that against that person. And yeah, I might put more of myself out there than I should, but you know what? Um, I'm going to assume the best and I'm going to continue loving them for the glory of Christ. My issue is not as big a deal as, as his glory and me continuing to climb that mountain. So um, our self-will, our determination, our drive, our rights, our control, those are all things that we leave in that valley when we start climbing that mountain if we want to get up there to that top, okay? So wise counsel for the Christian knows that Christ is the prize. It does not fear the consequence of the physical, but the loss of the glory of the Lord and and the, and the eternal his eternal purposes, which is the building of the kingdom of God and the furthering of that gospel and bringing people into his glory, his wisdom, and in his, into his love. We all have heard Jim Elliott's famous quote, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Let us look like fools. Let us look like fools. That is, that is okay. It will be to our glory one day when Christ returns. So, I said in the beginning that there were going to be five points that we were going to finish up with um, that are always true of wise counsel. First and foremost, um, and the the first one is so important that I could almost just rest my case with this one, Um, but wise counsel is always under God's authority, not our opinions. Our vocabulary should be Christ says, not I think, okay? It's not what I think. It is what Christ says, okay? Because he's instituted the church, these authorities are his authorities. We can be confident that he is over them. He is watching them and he cares about them. We can can trust ourselves within reason to them as long as they submit to his word. And, And we can trust his authority to our circumstance. I'm not in this closet for no reason. We're not being... Uh, set aside and and for no reason. This is this is for our protection, and the government has put um, uh, restrictions in place so that we can um, be protected. This is all good, and so we can we can know that the Lord, even if it wasn't good, is still in control of them, and pull, we'll pull these things together. So, um, wise counsel uh, is under God's authority, but also wise counsel number two is dependent. Okay. It's dependent on the Lord's will. It blows my mind how often we are self-sufficient thinking that we can build God's church, we can do things that this power rests in him, that are us and not in Christ. When Jesus himself said that he can do nothing by himself, but he can only do what he sees his father doing, and that could only mean that he spent time with the Lord, praying, discerning the will of the Lord. That should be where we spend most of our time uh, for other people and, and in building his church is in prayer, seeking his will for ourselves and for other people, knowing his word, knowing where to apply it. We are fully dependent on him and dependent on the Holy Spirit. Someone a few weeks ago said this, and I can't remember for the life of me who it was, but uh, I believe it was a guy. And he said, you know, it always blew my mind how the Lord put the disciples in a room and 
And he's like, he wouldn't let them leave until the, they got the Holy Spirit. He's like, I don't trust you. Just sit and wait there until I give you a spirit. And think of what was happening in those days that they were in there. The whole world, um, in some ways, was falling apart. But but that's where they were because he was waiting on them to be dependent on him. It is his power that moves his gospel forward. We see this by Paul again and again in his writings. Just a few verses. Uh, 1 Corinthians 4.20, For the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. 2 Corinthians 4.7, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. 2 Corinthians 12.9, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will burst all the more all the more gladly of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest on me. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verses um, 10 through 11, each has received his gift. Use it to serve one another as good stewards. Whoever speaks is one who speaks the oracles of God, whoever serves by his power and by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified for Jesus Christ. I know I flew through these, but what is the point? There's one point. Our power is born, birthed of him. It is ours for the asking. We can, like those disciples, pour forth his glory, bring people to Christ through the power that he has given us in the Holy Spirit. It is ours for the asking. One of the things, and one of the things that hinders this power is that many times we get clogged up. No power passes through us because we're bitter. We are walking in unforgiveness. Before last week, before the Lord dealt with me, I was just kind of cranky. No one could have gotten any of Jesus because I didn't want to think about him. I wanted to talk about my problem. I, it was like a drain. I have this long hair, and I get in my bathtub, and it gets filled with all my hair. And about once a month, I have to, husband, we clean my drain again? He's got to pull that hair out so that drain uh, goes clear. And this happens so much, I'm laughing. Um, he needs to do it again. That's what I was just thinking. Um, but 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 we have got to walk in forgiveness and, and lack of bitterness and continue in thanksgiving so that he can use us and that Holy Spirit is not grieved so that, that he can use us for his glory. Point three, wise counsel always requires faith. A.W. Tozer said, God has charged himself with the full responsibility for our eternal happiness and stands ready to take over the management of our lives the moment we turn to faith in his ways. Isn't that fantastic? He wants us to trust him. He's like, I'm standing on this mountain and I want you to experience it. I want you to look at that valley below and I want you to see all that I've created from my perspective. Come up here with me, but you have got to reach out your hand. That is what he is saying. So faith finds the promises of God and holds on to them. His promises are the footholds in that mountain, and faith is what propels us up. Now, I want to say this about faith. Some people think that faith is easy, and it is not. It is the hardest thing to do. Alex Honnold is the guy that I was thinking of earlier. I could not think of his name. But, but he, in that movie, Free Solo, climbs El Capitan. It is a 3,000-foot straight up in the air. I'm not scared of heights. I've jumped out of planes. I've done all kinds of crazy things, but I got to the top of that mountain and looked down and oh my word, it is so scary. And that boy climbed it with nothing attached to him. And, and, and he had to train forever because the endurance that it took to lift your body up, not just once, but I don't know, thousands of times is absolutely incredible. And that's what he did. 
But we, sh- we are sometimes surprised that trusting the Lord is really, really hard to do. I can think of the times and I can look back when God has used me in my life and it never happened without me clinging to a verse with all my life and thinking, oh my word, Lord, if you do not have me in this, everything is going to crumble. And I have to tell you, the biggest things he ever did in my life is because I was holding on for dear life. And he, it was like he said, I'm going to cry. It's like he said, watch me, watch me work now. That's what he's done for me. Um, so I was thinking, you know, try to find a place in scripture where, uh, where, where God moved in a massive way and it did not require crazy faith, okay? Noah wouldn't have made it onto the ark. Abraham would not have had a family. Moses would still be in Egypt. The Israelites would have never gotten to Egypt in the first place because Joseph would not have seen the Lord's providence in being sold to slavery. David would not have been king. Solomon wouldn't have built the temple. Mary wouldn't have had Jesus. And I could go on and on and on and on. Faith matters to the Lord. In fact, I can think a few times where he rebuked his disciples, but he rebuked them when they didn't trust him. We have got to strengthen our faith muscles and praise God, we have an opportunity to do this now. That's really exciting. So so let's stretch those faith muscles and find his promises and stand on them and, and, and pray that he will use us for his glory in ways that perhaps even look foolish to this world. Anyway, it's just a thought I had. Maybe I could get this coronavirus early and go help people. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what foolishness looks like to him. Usually when God has given me an idea, it is completely from the left field and nothing I would have thought about before. So um, he he works in all of our lives differently. Um, But the point is, is that to climb this mountain, we have to uh, we, we have to we have to climb with a lot of diligence and with faith. Um, the church was never meant to operate according to natural man. We see from Paul that one of the reasons for that is because the Lord wants the glory. He gets a lot more glory when we trust him with his promises than when we go do something in our own understanding. Or we just look at the numbers and we, you know, we ruminate and we think how we feel about it. And we and then we let him be like our second consultation on what we think is right. No. We come to him first. Lord, what are you saying? What are you doing? Where are you at work? How can we uh, join you in your mission? Because we already know that you are working on behalf of this world to to build your church. Let us be a part of that. So um, so this is what's going on um, in the world. And that's why we need faith um, to build his church. Point number four, wise counsel is born of Christ for Christ and to look like Christ. That's pretty easy. J.I. Packer said the Holy Spirit's main ministry is not to give us thrills, although I have thought it's very thrilling to follow the Lord, um, but to create in us Christ-like character. Ultimately, us looking like Christ is the goal. Christ is the peak of Mount Everest, of Mount Capitan, whatever you want to climb, claim it. He is the ultimate objective, um, and, and godliness is our goal. Uh, we don't, we aren't supposed to have a mission of our own. It's not, Lord, this is what I want to do with my life, and then you go bless it. No, God... We are building his kingdom and wise help counsel helps us put on Christ and make this a reality. And then our last point is that wise counsel is reasonable. G.K. Chesterton said, the most extraordinary thing in the world is an ordinary man and an ordinary woman and their ordinary children. It doesn't have to look spectacular, but building the kingdom and trusting the Lord is spectacular to him, okay? It is awesome. And that is our goal. And so wisdom is wise insofar as it is birthed by God, relevant to the particular need and enabled 
by his spirit. I'll say that again. Our wisdom is wise insofar as it is birthed of God, relevant to the particular need, and enabled by the spirit. And I don't mean like supernatural, he just downloads something to your brain. I mean being in the word of God is how his word is revealed, okay? Um, and then uh, can, can we encourage, then we can encourage others with, with encouragement that we have received, okay? Um, that, is, that is our goal with wisdom. And so in closing, how do we grow in our ability to be useful for the Lord, for building his kingdom, especially in this time? First, we have to humble ourselves. God, we're in this valley and we cannot climb this without you. There's a marked difference in, in the times I've been able to minister to someone when I thought I had something to tell them or some wisdom I knew. And, and when I went there, Lord, I have no idea what to say to them, but I know that you can minister to them because Christ is in me. And, and, and I don't even have the, the love for these people, but you can give me your love for them. Give that to me. And then, and then I trust him and I rely on him to help me encourage them and give them whatever it is. If they need to come under the Lord's authority and to know the glories of Christ and to hear the gospel and to bring them into that 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 valley where they can then begin to climb that mountain and, and, and understand the glories of Christ, then, then I need discernment to know how to make that happen. And then we continue to rely on him as he reveals to us how we are to make his body grow. And so may we, in closing with Paul, have this single-minded goal, um, and that is Colossians uh, 1, 28 through 29, him being Christ, we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. That is the goal. Thank you guys so much for joining me in my closet. I promise to do some research on facial facial expressions and doing interesting things with my hands next time I do this. Uh, if I ever do it again, I have no idea. But um, you guys have a wonderful day. Please be safe. And, um, and may we all continue to love the Lord more.